This is the OK Outcast Podcast, your home for Oklahoma political intrigue and insight. Hey, how's it going, Brittany? Going all right today, Chris. Uh, I know, like you, we've had uh, had technical difficulties today, and uh, both our phones started blowing up, and so we're in what take two or three now. <laughs> I I think I think just take two. <laughs> we did a test run uh, earlier, I think, or late last week. And uh, I don't think that counts as a take. That was just testing the equipment. That's true. But anyhow, true. Um, this is getting way too geeky. So let's get geekier. Guess why I'm excited. Why are you excited today, Chris? Well, because it's filing day. Woo-hoo! This is like the, the draft or the paddock parade or opening day of the races this is where it all really starts to come together. We'll go into this more next week, but it's draft season, baby. Heck yeah. We got, uh, I think earlier when we were doing our first take, there was about 500 people had already filed for offices around the state. What Do we know where we up to now? About 750. About 750, everybody. Yeah, get out there. Get filed. All right. But, yeah. but when do you, when when does filing end, Brittany? Remind me. Uh it goes through uh five PM Central Daylight Time on Friday. And uh now I'm I'm a little unsure though. Do you have to be in line by five or do you have to be done filing by five? You need to be done filing. So you want to have your paperwork in order, make sure you got a cashier's check, not a personal check or business check, and uh, you can file away. Fun fact, um, the way Secretary Xerox times this out is the atomic clock. So I I, I took it to a new nerd level. I... (laughs) Well, I mean, uh, it is important that we know what time we're going by. Well, nobody can argue then. All right. So uh, how do you think we should open this up? Well, you know, I think, you know, next week we'll talk a lot more about who filed for what, um, where there are any surprises uh, that we can get to. I'm sure you're going to have a lot to say next week on that topic. Uh, too much. <laughs> um, what do we want to move on to today? I uh, think that we should talk a little bit about messaging, which you and I have a lot of experience in. And you and I might, might not always agree about messaging. I am an expert on direct mail. Uh, I've gotten a little bit better at Facebook. I suck at Twitter. Uh, that's why Brittany manages all that. But if you want print, you come to me. <laughs> you, Brittany, what do you think? You have made some amazing mail programs, and I'm a little biased. I think the the one you did on Paula Sophia's race for uh, for the campaign we worked on together were some of your best work. Uh, but um, 
Yeah, you know, messaging is super important, especially in politics. And, you know, I think one of the things we're facing today in this hyper-partisan social media world is a whole lot of people only talking to people who want to hear what they have to say and discarding anything from people they don't understand or that they disagree with. And, you know, I'm worried about the lack of persuasion going on. Um, and this week it really came to the forefront for me as somebody watching some of these uh, bills and, and various laws being passed around the state uh, against queer people in general. You know, it's really important to me that groups like Freedom Oklahoma that are out there fighting against these bad bills and trying to maintain equality in Oklahoma, uh, it's really important to me how they message and how they bring their message to... Um, to the folks in power that they're trying to persuade. And I think we need to have a talk amongst our community about that we've got to get better about this. Um, this week, uh, they were presenting uh, against a, a bill in, against the public library board in Enid, where they were proposing a new rule to eliminate any kind of displays of books that had LGBT themes. And, you know, one of the first things that the speaker from Freedom Oklahoma did is they identified themselves and put their pronouns and then said, I'm a member of the 2S LGBTQA plus community. And it just sounded like somebody that was talking only within their bubble. And if you're trying to convince moderate and conservative Oklahomans in positions of power like a library board, you need to talk to them the way they understand words and don't identify yourself as something other or opposite them, but find ways to connect uh, as though you're one of them. Um, and I think that that's something that's really important. Um, and it's the it's messaging on a whole host of things. Um, but we've got to get better about persuading and not getting so stuck in, you know, trying to appeal to the Twitter and Facebook hordes who expect you to, to use certain language um, when talking within the group. I could not agree more. I was watching YouTube the other day for a distraction from work and there was a trans comedian and she was hilarious and uh she joked about uh the issues she faced she hadn't had the full transition surgery yet Brittany could probably explain that better but um like it was so fun to listen to because she just told a host of jokes that I am definitely not going to tell, but she totally had the right to. And it, it it's just so much warmer. Sometimes mirth, I think, Brittany, is a little necessary, not just everything is so serious all the time. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'm not trying to have this conversation because I, you know, have problems with anybody or their identity. It's that I want us to be free and maintain the rights that we've fought so hard to to get to. And, you know, now that I see some of this stuff getting rolled back and I see, you know, organizations that previously had good messaging that spoke to Oklahomans, you know, as equals and, and fought for what was equal about all of us. Um, I, I want us to get back to that. So we stop some of this negative stuff. And, you know, I don't think we're going to do it if we sound like we're only talking to our social media bubbles. Uh, you know, it's interesting you say bubble because there's another way in the legislature the capital is referred to is, well, one's the marble whorehouse. The other is the bubble because all the lobbyists are talking to lobbyists um, who are the actual legislators. Oh, I said that. Up <laughs> um, and you all are right. Yes, we control everything. Some of us are just more powerful than others. Not me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, legislators come into the building. They don't know where the bathrooms are. The bubble is the lobbyists. Lobbyists don't lobby legislators. They lobby lobbyists. And I know that's a crazy concept. And Brittany, I know this isn't what we really intended to discuss, but you did ask me for political insider stuff. And that is an important thing to know that the lobbyists lobby other lobbyists and one lobbyist figured out a secret formula which was you don't actually lobby anybody but your clients so you simply tell them what has happened uh, is what we wanted to happen that's actually what we wanted so the lobbyist <laughs> figures out what's going to pass and then uh, they go back to their clients and tell them this is what we want. It could work totally against their interests. Um, uh, I am not going to say a name here, but <laughs> uh, police unions have used this particular lobbyist and uh uh, that probably is going to get me in some trouble. I don't care if people need to know this shit. <laughs> well, yeah. And so, you know, you bring up an interesting point that, you know, that brings me to something from the legal world that's similar. Um, you know, we hear we used to hear a lot back in the days when Republicans were pushing tort reform about how it's plaintiff's lawyers and all their quote-unquote frivolous lawsuits that are costing big companies so much money and legal fees. And I was like, well, that's just not it at all. If they had good counsel, they would settle stuff on the cheap quickly most of the time because most plaintiff's lawyers I know, they're working on contingency fees so they don't get paid until the case settles or is fully over with. So that's in their interest to settle sooner. But it's if you're in the defense industry, uh, 
and the, on the defense side of the legal industry and you're defending these companies in lawsuits, well, it's in your interest to run up the billable hours and say, oh, we we need all this discovery. We need to do all this extra legal legwork. I mean, you know, we got to push this all the way to trial. Even if they know they're going to settle on the eve of trial, they're going to run up the bills. That's who's costing companies legal money because they convince their clients they need all of that. So the takeaway, folks, from uh, all of this discussion is... Everything you believe about the deep state is boring. Yes, some lawyers are corrupt. Some lobbyists are corrupt. Some doctors are corrupt. Some of someone from any given industry is corrupt. There's probably a corrupt grocery store manager out there dipping his hand into the pot. Um, but there are a lot of us really good ones. Brittany being one of the good ones. She is an excellent attorney that stands up for her clients, doesn't steal from them. I am an honest lobbyist, which means I make middling money. <laughs> but I get to sleep at night. Brittany, do you think that's worth it? That is definitely worth it. I mean, that's certainly one of the trade-offs I decided on when I took the path I did in law, understanding that I probably wasn't going to make the big bucks of the big firms, but that's okay because, again, like you said, I can sleep at night. And <laughs> well next to a good guy. So Indeed. Um, anyhow... You got to go hiking. Yeah, I went out with uh, with my husband and one of my best friends to the Wichita Mountain Wildlife Refuge the other day. Uh, it was a beautiful day. We got out fairly early, so the, there was still some cloud cover and kept that hot sun off us. And yeah, we probably uh, spent a couple hours hiking around in the mountains over there and saw some beautiful scenery and it's truly one of my favorite spots in Oklahoma. You sent me a picture of a really cool lizard. Oh, yeah, I did. I saw a, uh, it's called the Eastern Collared Lizard, also more commonly referred to as a mountain boomer. Beautiful, like bright green coloring on most of his body and then like a orange neck collar within this kind of green beige head uh very interesting coloring beautiful creature really neat okay you totally should post that to okay podcasts twitter page so everybody can take a look at it because it's really cool i will do that when we release the episode yeah Sweet. look for it i'll yeah um send it to me and i'll enlarge it so and yeah uh, we'll deal with that on the back end. Y'all don't need to hear about that. <laughs> um, what y'all need to hear about is I did some gardening this weekend, built a trellis. It was amazing. And uh, Wait, what trellis? What's a trellis? Um, in, in my case, and if you'd like, I'll post a picture of the trellis. It's actually on Fox 25 right now because my... Uh, uh, compatriot in crime um, was there doing an interview 
So if you want to check out Fox 25 marijuana, oh no, I let the cat out of the bag, Brittany. I work in marijuana. Oh no. But oh, the uh, cannabis industry is good. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's that's an entire episode right there. <laughs> we will be getting into it. Oh, we absolutely will. We'll be getting into it and getting into it real deep. <laughs> uh, don't place your root structure too deep or you'll get rot. So if you're going to try your hand at cannabis, grow tomatoes first. But entirely different episode. Brittany is probably going to cut this out anyway. And moving on swiftly to a far more depressing topic. I'll uh, toss it to you, Brittany. Oh, goodness. Yeah, this week we had Governor Stitt signing Senator Nathan Dom's uh, abortion ban that uh, provides for a 10-year prison sentence for anyone who contributes to an abortion in Oklahoma. Uh, the White House has spoken out against this bill specifically and is calling on Congress to pass the Women's Health Protection Act uh, to codify Roe v. Wade into federal law. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be lawsuits filed. and um, But I also think, you know, it seems that Nathan Dom and some of the Republicans right now feel... This is a winning issue, hence why Governor Stitt signed it. Um, and I think they think that this summer the Supreme Court may knock out Roe v. Wade. And so what better time to put in a, a hardcore abortion ban? Um, but it's really it's really a sad day for the constitutional rights of women in Oklahoma and their right to reproductive health freedom. I completely agree. And honestly, on this issue, I'm not going to weigh in much more in that I know women that have had to go through this and the hellish navigation of the sort of uh, underground railroad. I hope that that's not offensive, but underground railroad of Um, people that need abortions getting to states where it's easier. You have to have fiscal resources. um, And uh, my understanding from every document or study I've read is they care about the baby for exactly as long is it's inside the woman that's that's really all i have to say and fuck these people <laughs> is, um you, you have you have no idea i mean it, it wasn't that long ago that there were a lot more republicans who were pro-choice under the concept that they didn't think it was government's place to get in the middle of medical decisions and reproductive decisions of the citizens of a state. Yeah. I had a medical issue uh, last week. I did not call my state representative. 
I, I guess who I called? My doctor. Yeah. And, you know, and I'm lucky enough to have one of those. Uh, so, <laughs> well, and this this goes back to to the the segment before, which the main thing we're really the theme of today is messaging. Um, yeah, and with abortion in Oklahoma, I think Democrats for many years have uh, tried to just run away from the issue and not talk about it, bury their head in the sand. And by not taking a position, they don't open themselves up to attack by the, you know, well-funded, quote-unquote, pro-life groups, um, which, you know, sh sure, has it made it easier for some of them to stay in office? I guess you could maybe say that, but considering that Democrats are now a super minority in the legislature, it's really unclear if that, that worked, um, because it seems that you know, those folks are going to say we're pro-abortion whether we say something about it or not. So we've got to get better at messaging. And the messaging used to be out there and we used to talk about it. Why are we letting government get in the middle of the reproductive health decisions of our citizens? It, you know, if you don't like abortion for religious reasons, there's a great answer for you. Don't have an abortion. That's between you, your God, and your your doctor, and however you want to live your life. That used to be traditional Republican values. Keep government out of my life. And I think that, you know, we need to get on to that messaging again. Uh, I don't know. What do you think? I think that government is great at doing things like firefighters. I'm going to go with them first because they seem to really have it the most together roads uh, ain't, ain't nobody ever had a song called fuck the fire department uh that is true <laughs> um, and uh in general they're just more chill about everything um but we also we do need police they need to be restructured for shiz um Roads, not perfect, but we need them. Um, unless you want to go try to build a road. I mean, I didn't go to school for that. I mean, you can have privatized roads like they're doing around Houston. <laughs> well, I mean, we have turnpikes, so we do have privatized roads. Uh, but that's a non-appropriated agency here in Oklahoma, which that's an entirely different episode that no one will listen to. Because if I go on about agencies and non-appropriated agencies versus commissions, uh, our viewers will just start using us to go to sleep. And by viewers, I mean listeners. Um, viewers like you. <laughs> from, li <laughs> from listeners like you. Uh, I'll try my NPR voice. <laughs> uh, on today's episode, we're talking about messaging, filing, and then a fun subject at the end that's going to involve other stuff so join us <laughs> all right uh, all right ira <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good right that's not bad it's not bad getting better well it's not my al gore that's my <laughs>
Hi, <laughs> Al. Bill, we're supposed to be at the committee meeting in five minutes, and you are naked. Al, <laughs> you're always so uptight. Okay, I'll cut that out. Wow, we real blast from the past, everybody. We're showing our age. <laughs> okay. Listen to two well, old people we... talk about old politics. <laughs> <laughs> um, we needed a little palate cleanser. Um, and, you know, I'm going to give you, I, I know you really wanted to close up on messaging. So I will toss it back to you. I'm just here for the jokes. I'm the Guillermo to your Jimmy Kimmel. <laughs> oh, you know, messaging, messaging, messaging. I think it really comes down to know your audience, y'all. And like, don't beat people up if they get some words wrong. I mean, sometimes we can be our own worst enemies when we jump on people who just make a good faith mistake in wording something and we get so caught up in that um, that we lose sight of each other's humanity and we forget how to connect with each other and so let's stop doing that and I, I'll bring it home with one quick little story an anecdote from my time in the Young Democrats there was a bill that was going to require school districts in Oklahoma to count the number of undocumented immigrants they had going to school there. And I was brought in to help message uh, uh, for the Young Dems Minority Caucus uh, to help put together a phone program that we could get our young people to call their state senators while this bill was in committee and hopefully knock it out in Senate committee before it got to a full vote. So I read through the bill and I immediately recognized that this had a lot of requirements and mandates on school districts, but provided no mechanism to fund all the extra work they were going to put on the district to do all these new reports. And so I said, our message is going to be this is an unfunded mandate. That's something Republicans understand. If we make this about, oh, these poor immigrant children and, oh, they're victims, we're never going to get through to them. I said, unfunded mandate. I wrote a script, got it out to the group. Um, Laura Saavedra got it out to uh, one of her Latin American LULAC young people groups. And they called their senators. We called our state senators on that committee. And the next day when it was voted down, the chair of the committee said he wasn't going to pass any new unfunded mandates this year. Boom. We gave them the conservative talking point they needed to be done with it. And so messaging and persuasion matter. So, you know, it's not, I'm not saying this because I don't care about people who are different. I do. I care deeply. And that's why it matters that we get our messaging right. That's absolutely true. And on a side note, I absolutely hate bills that require money, but don't figure out how the fuck to fund it. But yeah, anyhow, because you're not gonna... you're not being honest with voters when you do that. That's not that's not a way to run a government. Now, if it's going to cost money, 
hey, if we're going to build a highway, that costs money. If, if we're going to do something, it costs money. The question is, I mean, we're having trouble with infrastructure right now, but uh, I, I think it's the same thing. If you're if you're trying to hide it from people, and then you're just going to steal it from general appropriations. Um, but the point is, no, it, it, you you need to figure out how to fund your bill, license fees, taxes, whatever. And that's another subject for our cannabis show, where I'm probably going to be talking a lot more. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> so we'll have a, we'll, we'll probably start having guests soon. Um, so now that we have gotten a TED talk on uh, messaging from Brittany, which was very good, and why it's important. Um, we both have a little happy story, and uh, I think, Brittany, you should go first to cleanse your palate after that. For sure. You know, the the one positive note I really wanted to get to today is I was really, uh, it really made me feel proud um, to see Mayor Bria Clark in Norman, who... Uh, just recently lost her bid for re-election to uh, mayor-elect Larry Heikola, I believe is how his name's pronounced. And she immediately, then you know, this week got got together with him. They put out a, a tweet thread that she took a selfie with them. They're both smiling. She's been taking him around to show her her daily duties. He's agreed to let her stay on as their international relations person because of some sister city work she had been doing as mayor. And it really showed the promise of our democracy again and modeling modeling what peaceful transitions of power look like and what it means to respect our elections and respect democracy. So that really made me feel good this week. I couldn't agree more. Peaceful transition of power is so important. And um, that's how I'm going to kind of transition to uh, Obama, who gave um, our previous president a tour of the White House, kind of tried to show him the ropes. And then he went on to go do other stuff. Now, obviously, he recently visited the White House and uh, made a joke with Vice President Biden, which I particularly thought was hilarious. And I think Joe does, too, because Joe doesn't hold a grudge, unlike some previous presidents, because he can let himself get made fun of. But you know what Obama's doing now? He's uh, narrating and hosting a show on Netflix that's all about national parks around the world. Now, I'm a huge fan of Ken Burns and his series on American national parks. But Obama kind of goes around the entire world and talks about national parks. And I like how he, uh, and I, I can say uh, here, mm, uh, well, 
it's important to know. Um, he is just so prolific in describing wildlife and why we should be concerned about the environment. And Al Gore did it. A lot of people have done it. Brittany and I have a joke like, hey, Brittany, do I hate Ken Burns now and Al Gore because they made movies and now I'm referring to Obama's movies? Or oh, shows. no, I mean, I guess you're going to have you have to hate them now because you can only like one thing at a time, Chris. OK, yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's when I watched Game of Thrones and started hating the series Vikings. <laughs> <laughs> it's by law. Got to do it, it is decreed. Social media says so. Only one thing at a time. You've got to pick Marvel or DC, or you're dead to me. Um, <laughs> so now that we've kind of uh, refreshed things, because you know life is difficult right now, um, Brittany, what are you planning on doing this evening for dinner? Uh, I'm, I believe my husband says we're having stir fry tonight, so I'm excited about that. I didn't have to make any bread today, so yay. Holy smokes, that's what we're doing tonight. Hey, that's funny. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, doing... on that note, we should probably get going so I can go help with dinner. <laughs> and Absolutely. And, hopefully uh, you've enjoyed I... our episode. Um, follow us on Twitter at OK Outcasts. I think at OK underscore Outcasts, actually. My bad. And do you have any pluggables, Chris? I think that if anybody from Netflix, which we definitely are enjoying Obama's series on national parks on, or anybody else uh, wants to throw us a bone, Cannabis, we, we welcome everyone, uh, but we've got to get more popular before anybody's going to bite. Well, tell your friends about us, follow us, and uh, we hope to talk to you more next week, and we'll have a whole bunch on filing week. <laughs> have a good one, y'all. Laters. <laughs>